And sometimes repeating history can be good. But most of the time, repeating history ends in a negative note. There are many things in life that this current generation and previous generations should and must desire to pass along to the next generation. But there are also many things that we should not desire to pass along to the next generation. We see ad campaigns, billion-dollar ad campaigns all the time about tobacco stops with me. And the idea is that we do not want to perpetuate the use of tobacco because of the dangers and the consequences of its use. There are other campaigns, campaigns to end poverty, campaigns to end alcohol addiction, drug addiction, abuses of a variety in different forms, all in attempt to stop these things and not pass them along to the next generation. There is an all-out effort to say we do not want these negative things to continue and be perpetuated into the next generation. Generational transition is a real thing. And it should have and needs to have a high priority in our lives. Every member of the body of Christ must recognize the significant responsibility we hold to pass along a godly heritage to the next generation. Such a high calling is a role of not only parents, but of every one of us, of every believer to communicate, to influence, to encourage in regards to the next generation, knowing God and understanding who He is in their life. The implications of not doing this are profound. Judges, the second chapter. We're going to begin reading together this morning in verse 8. Judges chapter 2 and verse 8. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnatheris, in his the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And all of the generations also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation. Now listen to this. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Now I want you to listen to those words and think about what was just said. I don't think that there's one person who would think of Joshua and not think of a person of faith. I don't think there's one person who would think about his life and the lives of those who had gone through all that they had gone through and all that God had done for them and not believe that they were committed and faithful to the Lord. Yet, there was a failure 
in their victory celebration of all that God had done, and that is that they had neglected to share effectively and communicate and influence the next generation of their faith for the Lord. The passage reminds us that there are three important principles of a generational legacy. I want to share those with you this morning. The first one is this. Generational legacy can break down swiftly if unattended. Generational legacy can break down swiftly if unattended. We think about these people. Joshua, the other leaders, and those people of that generation, and all that they had experienced, and all that they had seen. Back up and think about the ten plagues that was used to force Pharaoh to set God's people free. I think about the parting of the sea, and that they passed over on dry ground. And then the sea closed and consumed the entire Egyptian army behind them. I think about manna from heaven and water from a rock. I think about the demolition of Jericho without one blow or attack. It reminds me of the story that's told about a little boy who was in class and he had a, he was a, a strong believer and a strong faith and he had a teacher who was not. And they were sharing stories or important things from the weekend. And he was talking about the fact that he had gone to church and, and that God had, they read the story of how God had parted the sea and allowed the nation of Israel to walk across on dry ground and then closed it up and drowned the entire Egyptian army behind them. And the teacher looked and scoffed at the little boy and she said, oh, she said, boy, are you misled? And he said, well, what, what do you mean? And she said, well, they talk about the, the grandeur of that and the splendor of it. And the fact of the matter is, she said, where they crossed the sea, the water was only about ankle to calf deep. And that's all that there was. And the little boy smiled and just was elated and said, praise the Lord. She said, what do you mean, praise the Lord? And he said, another miracle. And she said, what do you mean another miracle? And she said, he drowned the entire Egyptian army in ankle deep water. That's faith. That's trusting in God, believing in God, recognizing what God has done in the face of others who don't believe. In the face of others who reject the truth of God's Word. And as we look at Joshua and the generation that had neglected to share these truths with the next generation... Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 says they did not know the Lord. The next generation did not know the Lord nor the work of the Lord. So somehow, in some way, there had been this swift breakdown from a generation that had experienced all of these miraculous and marvelous things that God had done. How God had blessed them. How God had led them. How he had used the, the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud during the day. And all of these other things we've talked about. And, and yet somehow, in some way, that was not effectively communicated and did not influence the next generation. They did not know the Lord or the acts of the Lord. And so quickly, in one generation, began to break down this incredible faith. 
I think about Joshua and we sing the little, you know, the, the Sunday school song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And we think about the story about how there was not an attack, there wasn't an army, there, there wasn't an aggression. The Scripture says they walked around the city and they blew their horns. They walked around the city and they blew their horns. In an act of faith, they continued day after day to do exactly what God had instructed them to do. And then on the final day, they made multiple trips around the city and blew their horns. And when they did, the walls just caved in all around the city. And the victory was won not by their hands, not by their effort, not by an attack or a blow delivered by the Israelite army. But it was they were defeated and the city was seized by the power of God. They witnessed that. They saw that. They were there firsthand for that. And the faith that that instilled in their hearts to believe the power of God and the presence of God and all the things that He could do. And yet somehow, in some way, they did not effectively influence and communicate those truths to the next generation. Judges chapter 2 And verse 10 tells us they did not know the Lord or the work of the Lord. The things that he had done to deliver his people, they did not communicate to them how those truths and that power and his presence and those miracles directly apply to their life every day. Surely, surely they told the stories. Surely Joshua and the leaders and those who had experienced those things communicated and told those stories and talked about them. But there was a disconnect on what those stories told and what those stories meant to the lives of the next generation. And so they didn't know him. And they didn't know the work that he had done. And there was this generational gap of a faith and a trust in the God who was the creator of the universe. And who had done all of these marvelous, miraculous things. And so this generational legacy can break down swiftly if it is not attended. If it's not given the attention, if it's not given the importance and the value. We see that in the world in which we live today. We see a a breakdown in generation from generation of the principles of God's word. The teachings of the scripture. The foundation of our faith. And we see more and more people who are walking away from the church, walking away from the foundational truths of God's Word, that they have placed their trust and their their belief and and their commitment and, and their allegiance to something other than the truths of God's Word and the principles of the Scriptures. It's a generational breakdown. It's a legacy that's not being passed on of faith to the next generation. And it didn't just happen. This happened years and years and years ago. The breakdown of the family began to take place. And that's the next principle that I want us to see this morning and understand uh, about this this one generation away and this spiritual legacy that we leave behind. Generational legacy begins at home. Generational legacy begins at home. We think about the fact that that there has been a breakdown of the family for many years. The attack on the family has has intensified. It it, it has grown more aggressive in the last 10 years, 15 years. But the breakdown of the family has been on the move for many years. 
and in the breakdown of the family over the many years, the, the church has made a valiant effort to step in and to try to teach the next generation through our children and through young people the truths of God's Word and the principles of Scripture. We see that in children's church programs and Sunday school classes and summer camps and all of these different activities that are going on that churches are valiantly trying to communicate the truth to the next generation about the power of God's Word and what it means to our lives. We saw that back in the 70s, if, if you recognize then, that was a huge, there was a huge push. There were some of the largest bus ministries in the nation in the 70s. There were right here in Tulsa, there were churches who had fleets of bus, who, who, who sent out buses on Sunday morning and brought hundreds of children and young people to the church. But they were coming without their parents. They were coming without their families. And the churches were trying to teach and they were trying to bridge the gap. They were trying to, and, and we continue to do that today, but we have to understand, and, and while that is important and while that is useful and while that is to be admired... We have to understand and know that God's intention was for the spiritual legacy to be through the family, through the home. His instruction from the very beginning has been that the family would perpetuate faith, that the family would teach, the family would communicate, the family would influence, the family would be the ones who, who would bring that truth to their children. And the church and the gathering, those would be supplements to what the family was doing. And we've reversed those roles. And we have still so many families that are dysfunctional and so many families that there is no legacy of faith that is being passed on to the next generation. And the church is still fighting the battle that we began years ago trying to, to supplement, trying to, to fill and draw that gap and, and to teach the next generation the truths of God's Word. But here's the problem. The problem is they come to church, and maybe they come for a few hours a week. Maybe they come on Sunday morning, maybe even Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night, maybe some other activity a few hours a week. But it is the influence in the home that they see every single day of a mother or a father and siblings and, and grandparents that do not have faith in God, do not trust in God, do not live a life of faith. And that influence is impacting the next generation. And so what they're hearing is a conflicting story. And they come to church and they hear a story about God's love and about God's grace and about God's mercy and about a heavenly Father that truly cares about us. And then they go home after those few hours at church, and they live in a family where those things are not evident, where those truths are not ever spoken of or taught. And so they have this conflict that's going on inside of them. This is my family. These are my parents, and these are my grandparents, and, and they're telling me something different than what these, these people at church are telling me. How do the young people resolve those differences? How do they, they come to an understanding of the real truth while these things are, are critical and these things are needed? We must understand that the faith journey is to be based in the family. And so our effort needs to be to restore families, to bring mothers and fathers to understand Christ Jesus and who He is and the grace that He offers to bring families, to bring mothers and fathers and grandparents and generations to come to know God so that they would share that faith with the next generation. We go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Old Testament is full of so many important truths and teachings for us. Again, learning from history. 
and we learn from that history and we allow that to lead and to impact us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, and listen to what it says. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as a frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And then it shall come about when the Lord God brings you into the land which He swore to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you shall eat and be satisfied. Then watch yourselves, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. He said, listen, it is the responsibility of the family. It is the responsibility of the mother and the father, the grandparents, to teach the next generation the truths of God's Word. And he said, they need to be on your heart. They need to be on your mind. They need to be in your hands. They need to be on the doorpost of your home. When you sit down, when you rise up, everything that you do needs to be communicating the truth of God and who He is. And he said, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to come into a land of prosperity. You're going to come into a land of great blessings like you've never experienced before. And you're going to have all of these wonderful things. Does that sound familiar? The blessings of this United States and the freedoms that we have and all of the abundance that we've received. And he said, and yet, if you're not careful, if you don't do this, he said, there'll come a time that you'll forget the Lord and all that he's done for you. You'll forget the one who delivered you out of Egypt and out of slavery and out of bondage and brought you to this land of blessedness and this land of abundance and this land of grace. And we look around and And that's where we find ourselves today. And he said it is the home's responsibility. It is the parents and the grandparents who are are to teach. Because here's the thing. If children come to church and they hear these things, and then they go home and they see something lived out, an example every day, the things that we teach become empty and hollow and meaningless. Because there's no evidence of that in their home. There's no evidence of that from their family. There's, there's no example for them to see a loving father and a caring mother. Uh, there, there's no opportunity for them to see what it means to live by faith and trust in the Lord in difficult situations. We teach about it. We talk about it. We tell them about it. We communicate it to them. But they need to see it lived out in a real time, a real life example in front of their eyes. And when they go home to homes that aren't believers, they go home to homes that that aren't filled with faith, you go home to homes that aren't practicing the truths of God's Word, then, then what we teach here, what the church teaches around the world, it becomes empty and meaningless because they don't see the real example of it in their life every day. And they live by the example, not by what they hear, but by what they see. And we need to understand the importance and the value and the impact of, of a, a legacy of faith beginning in the home 
with our parents, with our families. Third and final principle is this. There's good news. And that is the failing generational legacy can be turned around. The good news is by the grace of God, all of this can be turned around. All of this can be stopped. You go to verse 16 of that second chapter of the book of Judges. And it says there that the Lord took action. And that he raised up. I want you to listen to that. That's an important word. He raised up judges. That doesn't mean that he just picked a few people and said, hey, you be judges. He raised them up. It took some time. It took some effort. It took some commitment and determination. God raised up some judges to judge the people and head them back in the right direction. We know that that happened. We can read on in the book of Judges and there are times and there are seasons and there are generations that they turn back to the Lord. But every time that this generation does not share with the next generation and influence and teach and instruct and bring them to have faith in the Lord, it says this, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. You read the book of Judges and you hear those words, read those words over and over and over again. Why? Because God sends someone and says, hey, let's get this straightened out. And they get it straightened out and they get it headed in the right direction. We know there can be recovery. But then they they fail to pass it along to the next generation. The next generation comes along and says, oh, oh, we don't care about that. And so they do what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. The good news is, That the generational decline and this generational legacy that has been neglected, it can be turned around. But it must begin with each individual, with the church. It must begin with the church reaching to families, not just young people and children, but reaching to families of trying to engage mothers and fathers and grandparents again and bring them to an understanding of the presence and the power of the Lord. And when they do that, and when we do that, then we begin to share that faith and that trust to the next generation. It's not all hope is not lost. There there is an opportunity to turn it around, to to make it something new, to make it something fresh, to to make that generational legacy of faith and trust in the Lord passed on to the next generation. Don't give up hope. Because the Word shows us time and time and time again that God desires for us to have a spiritual relationship with Him and for us to pass that spiritual relationship on to the next generation. And He desires for it to be run through the family. He desired it so much. He he wanted it so badly that He sent His only Son. Ultimately, the one thing that could turn around every generation And bring them back to the Lord. He offered His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. For the sins of every generation. And He offered for for Him to die on the cross to pay the penalty and the price for what we have done. So that we could be restored in a right relationship with Him. And then living in that right relationship, we might pass it on to the next generation. And that's what God calls us to. Because we are one generation away from losing faith, from losing hope, from losing all that God has blessed us with and offered to us in our life. This prospect of a coming future generation who walks away from God, even after being raised in our churches, is an ominous one indeed. It's a scary thought. It's a heartbreaking thought. And and horrible thought. However, 
by God's grace and through the careful attention of each of us to the passing along of a godly heritage, we can reverse the future trends. We can reestablish faith and trust in God. But it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. It takes determination. It takes inconvenience. All of those things are part of the process. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to pay that price? Are we willing to do everything that we can with the help of the Lord and by the grace of God to ensure that the next generation is not the generation that turns their back and walks away from the Lord? Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation to Him.